Hi, I'm Dan Pramack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Google. Today's Wednesday, December 2nd. Home mortgage demand is up, job growth is down, and we're focused on the electrification of America's largest car maker. General Motors this week slammed the brakes on its plan to acquire around a $2 billion equity stake in Nikola, an electric truck maker that hasn't yet made an electric truck that people can buy. It also scrapped plans to jointly develop a pickup with Nikola called the Badger, although GM does still plan to provide batteries to Nikola if and when it commercializes its vehicles. Two big things to know. First, GM wasn't supposed to put up any cash for that Nikola stock, but it still reflects poorly on GM's due diligence process. Two, in the long run for GM's electric ambitions, this probably doesn't matter too much. The company had originally unveiled a 2023 e-vehicle roadmap that it now says wasn't ambitious enough, revamping it with a new plan to have around 30 different electric models available by 2025. Why it matters is that America's largest automaker clearly believes that electric vehicles aren't just the future for niche enthusiasts or environmentalists. It believes it's the future for all of us and that our grandkids will view combustion engines as relics. And if you add GM's thesis to the continued growth of companies like Tesla, it seems this paradigm shift is just around the corner. So in 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Ken Morris, who leads electric and autonomous vehicles for GM. But first, this. We're joined now by Ken Morris, Vice President for Electric and Autonomous Vehicles at General Motors. You guys recently overhauled your EV ambitions for the next five years. You're talking about having 30 models, around two thirds of those available in North America. Is it fair to say that GM's goal is to largely get electric versions of most of its models in the next five years? Our goal is to be a zero emissions company. And so an all electric company is the ultimate goal. And so we are making enormous investment, $27 billion by 2025 on capital engineering to flip over our portfolio from internal combustion engine portfolio to an electric vehicle portfolio. We won't be fully turned over by 2025, but we're going to be significantly turned over by 2025. How many current combustion models that you have right now do you think will be retired by 2025? Uh, I can't give you a real number. I can tell you that we're entering into areas, for example, sedans really are losing popularity really all over the world with customers. And so some of those are going to pass away anyway and already have. I think you're going to see some markets or some different types of vehicles have both electric and internal combustion engines for a while, like pickups. I think the adoption rate, which we're expecting to be very high pretty quickly by the mid-decade, is going to help lead us to those decisions. Why do you expect the adoption rate to increase of e-vehicles? Because so far... The options that have been offered up to customers in terms of what they can buy have been kind of limited. EVs, for the most part, have been niche vehicles. And when a customer comes to us wanting a Chevy Suburban and all we have to offer is a Chevy Bolt, they're not going to get what they want, so they're not going to buy that. And so what we're doing is offering a full portfolio of electric vehicles that if you want a pickup truck, you're going to be able to buy a pickup truck. If you want an SUV of a certain size, we're going to have that for you as an electric vehicle. The second part of it is, 
Are they going to be comfortable with the range? The data tells us people have to have over 300 miles of range. We're delivering that even up to 450 miles range on the Ultium propulsion system. And so I think you get past that pretty quickly and then people recognize it's a great experience with an electric vehicle because it's like you never have to go to a gas station. You drive home, you plug in your car, like you plug in your phone at night and it's ready to go the next morning. That's obviously true for people who've got a garage in the suburbs, but let me ask kind of this broader infrastructure question, which is one of the reasons that EV adoption has been slow, at least in some areas, is the relative lack of charging stations outside of Tesla charging stations. Can you speak to that and give me the bull case for why there is going to be better e-charging infrastructure in the next several years? The interesting thing is 92% of all charging right now either occurs at a person's home or their place of work. And so we're trying to make sure that we're working with companies that are installing the infrastructure for charging at people's places of work. We're trying to make it easy as possible for people that do have homes and apartments to be able to install the charging. But for the 8% of charging that will occur outside of those areas, we are using the data to kind of pinpoint the hot spots where the chargers need to be when people are making longer trips, et cetera. And we're working and we're partnering with EVgo and, and different companies so that we can provide that infrastructure out where it needs to be. Is that going to get to the point where the EV charging stations, it's not a GM one or a Tesla one or a Toyota one or whatever, that so long as I've got an electric car by any manufacturer and I pull up to a charging station on the side of the highway, it's going to work for me like a gas station currently works for me? I think you're going to see more of that. I think that as the larger companies get involved in this. Is that what you guys are working on right now? Yep, we're moving, you know, there's SAE standards around the chargers and the charge receptacles on the vehicles. And so we're following that. And I think there are going to be higher volume of people following that standard just because it is, just like you said, you're better off having a universal approach to that so that it's easier for customers. Ken, obviously, one of the announcements GM made around electric vehicles, not in the last couple of days, but several months ago, was this partnership with Nikola. Why did that deal in the end not fit into your strategies or would it have? You just don't believe in Nikola anymore. I'd rather talk about the future. You know, we have signed a memorandum of understanding looking forward, potentially supplying Nikola with our fuel cell stacks for their class seven and eight over the road trucks, basically their semis. And that's a perfect use case for fuel cells. And so I think that has a real potential as well as part of the MOU is talking about selling them our Ultium battery systems as well. You say you want to talk about the future. Are you confident that there will be Nikola trucks to sell those things to? Uh, I, I really don't have an answer for that. That's kind of outside of my bailiwick. We do have a new administration coming in. What, if at all, are you anticipating from a Biden administration that would impact the trends of electric vehicles and electric vehicle adoption? Well, we're excited to work with the Biden administration. It does appear that it's going to be something that's important to the administration in terms of increasing EV adoption. And so we're prepared for that. And clearly we were gearing up for the zero emissions and electric vehicle future anyway. So we're ready for whatever comes at us. What would you want to come at you? In other words, if you could go into the Biden administration and president-elect said, 
Can you get one piece of legislation or one EO to aid with electric vehicles? What's the one thing? Well, this is me talking. So my answer would be, I would love to see a real investment yeah. in infrastructure for the country, because that is something that I think other countries are doing. And I think that would be something for the U.S. to really invest in. And I think it could uh, accelerate adoption. There's a huge slew of electric vehicle startups, which have shown up in the last couple of years, lots of which are actually going public via these blank check companies, these SPACs. Do you expect that the electric vehicle future in 2025 is going to be kind of dozens of manufacturers, or do you expect there'll be consolidation before then? I would expect that because it's so capital intensive to build battery packs and build ground up architectures so that you use those battery packs as efficiently as possible. I would be surprised if as many people who are starting into the business end up finishing the business in, you know, 25 or 2030. I would say the automotive industry is enormously competitive. It always has been. The companies with the best product that pleases the customers most will be uh, doing well in 2025. Ken Morris, General Motors, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is some worrisome jobs data from ADP, which reports that private companies added 307,000 workers last month. Not only was that way below analyst expectations, but it was also down from the 404,000 jobs added in October and represents the lowest monthly number since July. In other words, it's another indicator that America's economic recovery has slowed. At the same time that COVID hospitalizations are surging, widespread vaccine distribution remains months away, and stimulus is stuck in neutral. What to watch next is if this coming Friday's jobs report from the Department of Labor mirrors ADP's sluggishness. Oh, and speaking of vaccines, British health authorities today approved emergency use of the COVID vaccine developed by Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech. The first people to get it are expected to be healthcare workers and nursing home residents, which is also in lines with the U.S. distribution plan laid out yesterday by the CDC. Finally, today we are also watching U.S. home mortgage applications, which jumped 9% last week, representing a whopping 28% increase from one year earlier. Moreover, the average mortgage loan amount is now $375,000, the highest figure since the Mortgage Bankers Association began keeping track 30 years ago. In short, as interest rates stay low, housing demand goes high. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Fritters Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.